commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright zone of the galaxy, I'm Grace Comeback, and you're listening to Core World News. Your online news show for in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a fistful of Beskar special. And now for your host, Ben Grutton Adam, to discuss episode one of season two of The Mandalorian. All right, it's time for Fistful of Beskar. We've done a few of these, you know, from time to time as news has come out, but this is the first one in a long time. We're covering a new episode, episode one of season two called Chapter Nine, The Marshal. Yes, (laughs) The Marshal. Yeah, I was like, wait, the. I know, I always went to Sheriff. No, it's The Marshal. It's The Marshal. Yeah, which is great. I love that they're going chronological. So it's like, it's not yeah. like this is a new season. It's just like the story continues yeah. and it just like keeps going. And I hope we have episode just like us. This is actually episode 150 for us. Yeah. Which is cool. Wow. So I hope they have 150 episodes too. Me too. Me too. Um, yeah. This, so this can continue into perpetuity for for all I all I'll say. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was on my feet for this episode. I was standing <laughs> up. For the majority of this episode, I, shouting yeah. at my TV. I had a lot of reactions. Uh, I'm Grant's so glad. In a good way. In a good way. Thing. Yeah. I was Grant's, yelling. Yeah. Grant's background just got me. Um, and which reminds me, I guess we should say, you know, up front, spoiler city, yeah. folks. So if you have not seen this episode yet, hit pause, come back. Because yeah. we really, this is especially, I mean, with pretty much every episode. But as you can guess, with the first and last episode of a Mandalorian season, there are going to be shocks and surprises and and things worth spoiling. So and let me tell you, there was more fan service in this one episode than the entirety of season one. There's more like... fan service in five minutes of this episode. Can I just go to a real yeah. quick beat when I turn to my wife to be like, is that too much fan service? Yeah, I was like, this is loaded. Like, we literally service. get. Just cut them off. We get Boba Fett's armor. I'm sorry. We get pit droids. Boba Fett's armor. Uh, uh, Got to do this play by play here because there's no, so no, no. Womp rat. We get, we get that? Womp All right, let's yeah, just, I just want to list the things and we can go back. We get R5. <laughs> we get R5. We also get Anakin's pod racer. Yes, his engine. Anakin's yeah, a piece of Anakin's pod racer in five minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah. five minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm like, there's more, but you're just saying no. That you was get the Gotra. Uh, the uh, I believe the guy says, "I swear by the Gotra." I'll tell mm-hmm. you where the Mandalorians are. Wow. Yeah, destroy Gotra. That was yeah. Legazama. Yeah, it was. That was not like Zama. Yeah, yeah, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he's a yeah. Favre's calling in some uh, favors from the chef of uh, from the cast of Chef. Well, they definitely used the vocoder and kind of like and lowered his voice a bit because it was it felt very like it felt different. It sounded like Favreau to me. Like at first, I was like, it just, I don't know, it just had the cadence. I don't know, it sounded like Favreau to me. At least in the in the trailer, he was there too. We're talking about the Cyclops character in the first scene um, when he gets to that that planet and goes to the fighting pits. The guy, the Cyclops, he's meeting. Yeah, Uh, it may have lowered his voice. I also feel like we're also used to John, or we're used to John Leguizamo high pitched. Screechy right. voice that he did in the 90s. And like when I've heard, I've seen him a few things recently. Like again, Chef, he was in a few years ago. His voice is, is has lowered a bit, or that might just be closer to his more natural yeah. speaking voice. Or he's just getting old. Yeah, he's, he's getting, old. getting old. Smoking a lot of cigars, getting old. Yeah. Good for him. 
good for him. He's made it now, but as far as I'm concerned. That mm-hmm. that first scene was the expertly crafted. I loved the seeing the red eyes of the creatures in the darkness in the beginning, and then how they devoured the guy at the end as the yeah. scene. I thought that was just a perfect scene yeah. to start the season on. It's super strong opening. When he says, "I promise you won't die by my hands," we all immediately oh. the same thought of like. All right. Well, there's that's a very specific way to say that. So how is he going to kill him without using his hands? And the Mandalorian's a, a man of his word. Indeed. All right. So what do you think happened in that scene where um, that I, I should know the guy's name? I didn't I missed it on the second view thing and I didn't write it down. It's like Goss gerbling or something. Sure. But he, I'll uh, take that. Star Wars. Yeah, that's Star, Star, Star Wars. Goss <laughs> yeah. gerbling. Uh, <laughs> Um, but he, yeah. So those those eyes, the creatures that devour him. Do you think the light was keeping them away? Yeah. In the first scene, or yeah. was it just the badassery of um, the Mandalorian and and the child that they're like, "Nah, you're good." You think it was the light? I think it was the light. That was my interpretation because the first time we see them, it's in a very dark alley, and we just see right. one of the, the eyes coming through. So I think the light keeps them away. Cool. What do you think of the graffiti? I, I I had two thoughts. Super cool. And I wonder if we're going to get a Sabine Wren cameo. Oh, because there was art there that's just like her art. Yeah. I, oh. I noticed that the second walkthrough, I'm like, that's that's really interesting artwork that we haven't seen since Rebels. Kind of like that the idea of. Because they spent a lot of time panning yeah, those walls. And I was like, what am I seeing here? Dude, you're right. You are right. That's it. That's the that's the cut of the day. That's the the hot take of of the episode. I think was is that that's the Sabrina, yeah. red, so, like tease to guess that we're gonna get more people or more characters coming f- back for fan service after this episode is not really a hot yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, I know, but like, I don't know. It's still exciting to me. Thank you, thank you. I'll take it. I like it. Yeah, you know, and like, I mean, what a clever way to intro that character if that's how they do it. It's just like, oh, yeah, like you just and they probably will never refer to it. But it's just like that is totally her art style. And I, I didn't pick yeah. it up. I did notice like C3PO's like yep. head was in there. Yep. It looked like a lot of I, I couldn't tell if it was stormtroopers or droid heads. Hard to tell. And, and he did say, you know, uh, I swear to the, the Gotra at yeah. the end. So I was wondering if it was a droid Gotra controlled yeah. world. Um, but, uh, which is exciting, right? Like we're getting references to the droid Gotra. And if this show, if this episode proved everything, it's that John Favre, um, messes with the novels. Yeah. Like this show re or double canonizes, if that's a thing, like an interstitial chapter in one chapter of a star Wars book. So like, if he's willing to do that, he might've, someone might've told about the droid Gotra and he might just be like, Ooh, that sounds like something we might want to bring right and yeah dip into it so we see uh he get he gets sent towards Cobb vanth which what we did accurate i mean as soon as we knew uh timothy oliphant was rumored even rumored to be cast we were like oh he's he's Cobb vanth um and sure enough he is and it's a a perfect role and all that stuff but so for those of you that are haven't read the books Cobb vanth is in the aftermath series he's actually has a chapter in each he's one chapter in each book oh okay yeah um and there i i had to go back into the wiki the wikipedia entry to sort of um catch up on it i was going to try and reread the things but it just didn't happen um and so essentially in the first book it's like he finds the armor 
and uh, and gets the armor. He's I think he's just in the making the deal with the Jawas in the Sandcrawler. Yeah. So this just sort of daisy chains onto that. This story sort of tells a little bit before that, like what happened right before that. And then the next two books, he has this adventure with the Red Key Syndicate. Um, I think these are the people that are sending the mining collective that he has to deal with. Mm. Uh, Malakili is involved, who's the Rancor Keeper from. Um, yeah. Um, and he has, yeah, he. There's a trading scene where Malakili, like his only possession, is a crate pearl, and um, which is kind of interesting later yeah. uh, on another yep, yep. Um, crate pearl reference, and. Um, yeah, and then a couple of characters, yada yada. Cobb Vanth saves the day uh, in his Boba Fett armor. Um, the end. But then, so this happens after that. Um, this altercation, and um, it's kind of great. Yeah. Um, so there was like, I mean, so that first scene was amazing. Um, we see some more um, of him, you know, searching through the the Tatooine desert and having a camp out with. Tuscan Raiders. Um, and then we, we get the like Boba Fett armor reveal. I mean, you, you guys knew this was coming, right? Like, it, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, it's like I, you said, I, Tatooine. I was like, and yeah, armor. So this is where we yeah. go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So then what, what did you think about the, uh, the Boba reveal, even knowing I, it was coming? I loved it. I loved it because, so I watched this, with my wife and I loved it because again, she pretty much only watches the movies. Right. Yeah. And she saw it. She's like, that's not Boba Fett. <laughs> like she recognized, she's like, that's his armor. That's a Boba Fett. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> I love you. Like, like, like yeah, without yeah. having read the books, she's just immediately could tell like, that's not, that's not him. Like, and I'm like, yeah, nope. And then didn't help. We were watching with subtitles cause our infant was hanging out with us. So we didn't want to wake her up. Like we had it on soft and it actually said Cobb Vanth when the first thing that he says instead of Boba oh, Fett. And I was really oh, annoyed by that, even though I knew it, but I'm like, come on. Covenant isn't going to mean anything to anybody else. No. It's like only, yeah. I mean, we are the, the best car mm -hmm. core of star Wars fans. Yeah. And it's like, those are the only ones that are going to know who Covenant are. I feel like they did such a good job of making it clear. It was Boba Fett's armor, but it wasn't Boba Fett in like yeah. mannerisms and the way he walked and the way he like you knew before he took his helmet off that that's not Boba Fett. Right. And they made such a big deal about him taking his helmet off. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it was like you take a breath. He was just like, you've just spit on my heritage by taking your helmet off. Like, yeah. You. Yeah. That was, um, I love, I love how worn the armor is with all the, the pot marks. It's had so much character, like right, mm -hmm. right away. Like every shot with that armor was glorious. Uh, but yeah, you knew it wasn't him based on his stance. Uh, you know, when he would walk into the room, he had a kind of a Western stance, whereas Boba Fett had kind of an angled he's a darker character but boba fett is not a, a sheriff or a marshal he's a he's a killer and so yeah that yeah. character stands in a completely different way his body language yep. is totally different yep um yeah i, yep. I really thought that was beautiful so that was that that might have been blocking that might have been just oliphant as an actor uh, who was outstanding in this episode i thought his delivery of every line all his his kind of western lingo was just so well. perfect he was a, like one part his deadwood character one part his you know, justified character, one part, his once upon a time in Hollywood character, like he was taking all his Western characters yeah. and, and bringing it out for this role. Yeah, I feel like Favreau's directions was like, just try to like be Bullock from Deadwood, 
like 20% under that. <laughs> like, like, yeah. So you're not so <laughs> yeah. deadly serious, but there was a couple of lines he delivered. Like when he, like when he yelled at the townspeople, like it was an accident. It was an accident. That was the most Seth Bullock moment where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm watching yeah. Deadwood again. Like it was him. Yeah. Like totally being Seth Bullock. Yeah. Deadwood. Totally. yeah. It was shameless and beautiful. And I mm-hmm. love it. And it's just, that's what we wanted. That's, that's yeah. the font we wanted. And he, it was perfect. And I was so happy. I spent the entire episode waiting for him to die. Hmm. Um, and I'm, really? I was, and I was so happy because I figured like Oliphant, I didn't know if it was just like, it's kitschy. We get him in for one episode. He plays, you know, he can play a Western character and then we'll just kill him off. It's, you know, noble sacrifice type of thing. But I was so glad what he says, I hope our paths cross again. And, and the Mandalorian says, I think, I think he says, so do I, right. Or does he say, I think it will. I can't remember what he said, but I, are we just immediately back to building another team? Which if so, I'm all for, like, I'm all yeah. for Bob Vanth coming back around in later in the season. I'll take him over Cara Dune. Yep. <laughs> well, based on politics. Yeah, exactly. We know uh, that the story with Boba Fett's going to continue after this episode. Uh, we sure do. <laughs> and sure Cobb Banth might be involved with that. So that's true. Yeah. Or is he like? I feel like Fett is just so obsessed about the armor that he's like now like Cobb who? Like he's just now on the Mandalorian's trail. So when we do talk about Cobb Vance's fate. Like he could be intertwined with other characters who are on Tatooine, whose story we know is still being written in the show, which is a new character we're introduced to at the very end of the episode. That's just this massive surprise that we'll get there when we get there. But um, but Cobb Vanth could have more story in this in this second season for sure, especially with what we know what we know could happen on Tatooine, or maybe we go off world after that, and maybe Cobb Cobb Vanth, you know joins the Mandalorian for other missions on other planets, you know, around the galaxy. But it seems like he's stuck to Freetown or most as most uh, Pelco. It seems like he's, he wants to remain there as the sh- remain uh, there to be the sheriff and protect the town and, and not really, you know, venture. Yeah, he seems, he seems very attached to that town, yeah. right? Like, like I think it's gonna be something, a big, a big thing to call. Him. I mean, at this point, right. I think, they're square, right? The Mandalorian and Cobb Vance seem pretty square. Their deal played out exactly as they wanted it to play, right? So no one owes anyone anything, but they do seem to have that kind of, you know, they both attacked a crate dragon together and survived. Yeah. So that's an instant bond. Guys, throughout this entire episode, I was screaming at the Tusken Raiders to get away from the cave. I was like, get away! <laughs> You're too close! You're too close! Oh, I was freaking I- out. Yeah, that was the amazing. first time they go to the cave. That <laughs> gag was so good, <laughs> so good. It goes straight for the guy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah, the bantha. And I love I was like, like no. don't. They never cut to it coming back for the bantha. Like I thought for sure it would go back to the bantha's just sitting yeah. there standing fine. The the, the creature is like, no, <laughs> yeah, I just want a little aperitif. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. And like that was like really when they do the uh, town scene. He, um, the Mandalorian, makes mention of it. He's like. You just just wait for the crate dragon um, to to fancy eating your whole town. He'll just do it. And and like that's yeah. we just found something about crate dragons. Like they're very fickle. Yeah. They're just like, I don't know. Maybe I'll eat the guy today. Maybe I'll eat the bantha today. I'm just going to eat the guy. I'm going to eat the raider because I feel like it. And like maybe I don't know. Instead of just picking off your herd, like I'll just pick off the town. Yeah. I you know, <laughs> I love we, we've talked about in season one, how many of these episodes were like retellings or 
reconfiguring of movies. And when this movie, when this show turned into Jaws, right. I was 100% was okay. on board. That scene, I was waiting for him to just start scratching a chalkboard and be like, I'll get you your your crate dragon, the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Like, <laughs> like that scene yeah. with the townspeople was the scene in Jaws. And then and then like when they had the harpoons out and like yeah. it was it was amazing. And and so it's so it primed me because when they had stuffed the Bantha with um dynamite, I'm like, oh, they're just gonna feed the Bantha to the thing. And when they didn't, I'm like, why aren't you feeding the the bantha covered in dynamite to the great dragon and then you know it's not me being i'm so smart it's because i've watched jaws the only way you kill the shark is by <laughs> stuffing it full of explosives i do sure love enough. when he uh initiates the the, the bombs or uh and they all turn red just like in the last jedi it kind of felt like the same visual of all those bombs going you know all their receivers yeah, trigger yeah 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 that was pretty cool um the god the jetpack action in this episode was some of the yeah. best action I've seen in Star Wars, period. It was. Yes. Uh, it, was it was so subtle, but like he took his helmet off and then he never put it back on. And it was, you know, I, I guess um, necessary for Oliphant to Oliphant properly. Yeah. Um, but I missed it and I missed the helmet. And then when he puts it back on just at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. All right. I, I promise this will be the last time. It probably won't be the last time that I mentioned Deadwood. But he put the he put Boba Fett's helmet on the exact same way he puts his cowboy hat on in Deadwood. One handed, leans his head down and puts it on. It was like I've, I didn't know he could put oh, a helmet yeah. on like a cowboy hat, but he does. And I was just like, I, that was a moment I clapped. And that's like a little <laughs> tiny moment where there's so many more applause moments. And Carly just looked at me, but I'm like, it's Bullock from Deadwood. She's like, okay, I know. Calm down, Adam. Yeah, never <laughs> calm down, Adam. His never, swagger yeah. is undeniable. I yeah. have to say, yeah, uh, throughout this episode. Uh, even like the jetpack and like how he lands and how he fights, I was like, Cuffbanth is you want him on your side. This guy yeah. knows what he's doing. Yeah, actually, I, I studied on the second one their like flight patterns, and I was like, <laughs> the Mandalorian is like you know proper technique and like you know Rocket Man body, and <laughs> but Cuffbanth is kind of just <laughs> flailing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's um, and but he gets there, he pulls it together, and he's like, okay, I guess that's how I'm supposed to use this thing. Yeah. I um one more. I guess if you're playing your your core world news bingo, uh, you can check off. Adam mentions the Star Wars Galaxy role playing game. Okay, <laughs> nice. I this episode. I don't know if Filoni or whoever made this episode played a lot of that game because the mining town looks a lot like the towns you would go into because there's only like eight buildings and there's like one thing. And it, I just I had this moment when I, before the episode started. I'm like. I had like Google the name of Moss, whatever. I'm like, did they take that? Because I remember being oh, in that no. town as my Wookiee bounty hunter. <laughs> and then and the other thing you do is hunt crate dragons in that game, which look nothing like the crate dragon in this game for crate dragon pearls. Yeah. Is is your takeaway in that game, in that video game. So like, I just remember that's like one of the, one of the steps to being a Jedi is you have to have like a crate dragon pearl. Like there's all these like weird things you had to do. But I'm just like, I had, it's, every time I was watching the episode, I'm like, am I just flashing back to like, Adam when he was 23 not doing work and playing Star Wars Galaxies on his you know busted old computer is that so wrong uh -oh. <laughs> well pearls have been a part of the, the lore for a long time right I think yeah. the EU, there's pearl yeah I was just looking it up to see when it was first when they were first there but yeah they had a big big role in the EU yeah, I no. need some clarification when it when it's so it's, we now we now know that crate dragons are quite large <laughs> and they move much like the the worms in, in uh, the sandworms in, in dune 
and uh, and like kind of like underground, they swim through mm-hmm. the sand, and uh, and they're they're huge, and it really just their head is above the sand, right? Most of their bodies under the sand, but um, it didn't look like the kind of cannon crate dragon we've seen art of in the past for you know in, in many different you know pro- media. Like old canon, you mean? Yeah, like old yeah. canon. Oh, yeah, can- yeah. Just like some of the books, like I think the Alien Species book I have, it just it just no. slightly different looking. It's almost like that book is the 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 incorrect, you know, posture and skeleton, and the, and then what we saw in live action was just the very realistic, a very interesting. It's like the old, of, you know, the old dinosaurs, right? Yeah, they exactly. Put, this, <laughs> put the skeletons exactly, together yeah. wrong, so they thought it looked different. And I love the fact that like it's all based on just a skeleton and like no one else was talking to Tuscan Raiders. So no, and they seem like to be the only ones who actually and interacted with great dragons. So they wouldn't really know what these things looked like. But you know, if you, if you pair it up against the only real evidence we have in Canon, which is the skeleton we see in episode four, it's pretty accurate. Cause all it has is that head, which looks pretty much like the same mouth and a bunch of vertebrae. Like there yeah. are no arms or legs coming off of that thing. It looks like a giant snake. Yet they left enough to the imagination where it's like so much of it was underground. Like I kind of wish they showed like a just like a, a leg or something when it got blew up. But like it could have it could just be like a, you know, like one of those uh, Chinese like, you know, fake dragons that are super long and like. Have well, that's what I was legs. thinking, right? Like it went yeah. for they took they took inspiration from from like Eastern dragons than Western dragon mythology when creating, which I think is super interesting because all the old canon was very Westerny dragons. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And whenever you ever seen cowboys go hunt dragons, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> like, this is a pretty amazing episode. I mean, um, this episode gave us. Like so many of the things we'd wanted to see in one episode, like like we wanted to, we listed, and a lot of stuff we actually listed wanting to see possibly in the Obi Wan series. So how do we feel about this? Right, like we're probably not going to get crate dragons. I don't think in Obi Wan now. We wanted an Obi Wan. We had talked about this idea of Tuscan Raiders as treated as similar to Native Americans, which they did a little bit in this, a lot actually in this, but they also made them a little more like, um, like old Hollywood in a lot of way, Native Americans, but there's a lot there. Right. So it's just really interesting that we, we took so much that we were talking about and crammed it all in one episode. Yeah. I was, I was getting worried because I thought I would, I would think that Obi-Wan would be, a character you would have confront a crate dragon because of the call he makes in a new hope and, and what you, you know, what you know about him and he must've experienced a crate dragon. And so it gives you reason that there would be a crate dragon in his series, but if they don't want to cover that territory, they don't have to, that's, that's perfectly fine. So they can just, they can just do other things. Obviously he learned that call some way at some point, they don't have to cover that material, that content. So they can, and so that that's actually intriguing to me. That that I I like the idea of writing yourself into a corner. And so if Crate yeah. Dragon material is kind of taken away from Obi Wan, and and now it's it's been it's pretty it's been done in a really you know wonderful way in this episode. That I don't know what else you need to do after this episode in terms of showing off a Crate Dragon because this episode really did all of it. And uh, yeah, and just enough of it that I don't think you'd want to see more Crate Dragon in the. No, episode. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I disagree. <laughs> I, I think there's only so many things we know about like Tatooine that are cool, and like sand people and crate dragons are like the tops of the list. Um, I mean, I think we're gonna get both. Honestly, I think we'll see a crate dragon again, and maybe the the establishing of the crate dragon in this show 
will lead to even more interesting uses of a crate dragon later. Like I, I'm pretty sure in um, the uh, the book that's not canon, Kenobi. Yeah, he just sort of like disappears behind a ridge and like comes back with a crate dragon head or something like it just sort of like happens. And like something like that would be so impactful if he's like, oh, yeah, there's a crate dragon over there. You just hear it. And then it's just like it's he's clearly smote it and comes back with a pearl or something. Yeah. Be like, well, they're like, you know, everyone would look at each other and then we'd be like, what are you kidding me? But what if it goes the other way? What if it's that they because I do agree that we're probably going to get more sand people in obi-wan because we we jump a lot here like we've already have an established relationship between the mandalorian and and tuscan raiders they did a little bit of interesting bit bridge building in this episode which i really appreciated between the between you know the town folks and, the, and them but it'd be interesting if he's like having to kind of get to the place that the mandalorian is right like having to learn the language having to learn communication with them and what if he doesn't kill a great dragon but somehow tames the savage beast with the force like he actually just yeah almost like calms one like using yeah. the force which would be really kind of a totally different approach to it instead of it like what if it's charging and he just somehow with the force eases it back into its cave or something and that's how he gains the respect of the Tuscan Raiders instead of just this warrior moment it's kind of soothing thing right I mean I could see him going full dune and riding one <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible I mean George must love this right because I mean he loves dune he right. made Tatooine to basically be Arrakis and and then to finally see sandworms and in his creation, I wonder how much he was just like, I couldn't do it because the people could, you know, yeah, accuse me of, of cribbing yeah. too much. But thank you. Thank you, uh, John. Right. John and Dave Filoni, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, this is one where I'm like dying for the, um, the the behind the scenes video of this. I can't yeah. wait. Can't wait to just because it's like this. This is, I guess, the first episode that had full um, Fabro credit on it. Um, and we know, like, I mean, essentially he directed the Filoni episodes sort of right over Filoni's shoulder in the first, ep- um, first season. But, uh, yeah, he's claiming full, full rights yeah. to this one. There's you see John Favreau's name four times in a row, um, yep. at the, in the beginning of the credits and, um, and clearly his baby. And it shows like, this is a, this is someone that's clearly been directing giant Hollywood hits because you stack this thing up against, you know, the Lion King and Iron Man. And it has every single trick you use in those, in those movies in a, you know, 50 some odd minutes of television. Yeah. 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 yeah it feels like a bigger effects budget than uh, any episode I would say in the first. Yeah. Season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just the crate dragon alone, I think was wild and looked so real. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see if they have kind of lower budgets the next two seasons, sort of like what Game of Thrones did. It was like, well, there went their budget. It was like you get a <laughs> dire wolf every sixth episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or something like that. I, but, yeah, uh, be prepared for six episodes or other just bottle episodes with just him in a bar talking yeah, to yeah. Target because it's all they can afford. Right. There was concept art at the end of the episode of Baby Yoda interacting with a womp rat. And I yeah. so wanted that in live action. And we just yeah. we didn't get it. That's it's too bad. But uh. I, I really wanted that. Uh, also, so, can we talk about the size of womp rats and the irregularities of size of romp rat, womp rats? Are you sure rats? those are womp rats? Because I don't think those are womp rats. Not, not based, ones... not based on what Luke says, because they Luke says they're like they're that that three targets meters. It, yeah. three meters. That's no bigger than a womp rat. That's Ooh. nine feet tall. A womp rat should be ten feet tall, based on Luke's. <laughs> well, no, you know the um right the the video game. What was a video game in the? 
first thing you're flying around in that you know the model like um starship or that uh he's playing with when he's sitting there and oh, right. getting the bath so the first like thing you do in that game is you are luke skywalker in the cockpit of one of those bullseye womp rats and i'm trying right. to remember what game it was but it was like you know 16 bit was it super of. star wars or uh, I can't remember which game it was now, but I definitely remember. I didn't get too far in that game, but obviously it was like the first thing you do. Sort of like it was like teaching you the mechanics of like how to fire right. in a starship. That sounds uh, and you familiar. could see them and they they look different. They were bigger. They were like the size of, you know, horses or something, but flat, you know, right. spraying lizards, Komodo dragons or something. Um, did we mention that? Oh, we, we mentioned that uh, Cobb Vanth has Anakin's pod. pod. Yeah speeder yeah but yeah. uh so another cool thing we learned about the crate dragon is that they spew like vet like acid basically yeah but i think that's canon I, also yeah that is canon I, again can't remember where that was i picked that up but i'm pretty sure they were like oh wait we have to make them spit acid as well <laughs> that's the thing and it was crazy those scenes were incredible yeah <laughs> people yeah. were just getting melted doused and melted in, in the acid yeah. it was somewhat unclear what was happening to him and i, I realized probably because you can't be super gruesome but it took me a while to realize oh they're just like disintegrated completely mm -hmm. i mean basically when you see something spitting something maybe i've just been trained from a the movie alien and aliens like i assumed it was acid but it was just like it was not as horrific as i was expecting it to be they they toned yeah, it down a little bit there's only two things that color one is highlighter and two is acid spewing <laughs> from a monster's mouth yeah I thought it was bile, like for the, the first yeah. time, and then, um, and then, uh, then when Mando obviously, you know, uh, we'll get to the end of this. But, you know, by the end of the the hunt, basically, Mando gets eaten by the by the crate dragon in kind of yep. this moment of suspense, where you're like, "What? He just get he just he's in the belly now?" And then I had thought that there was, that bile was acidic when he goes in the belly, so I was like, yeah. "Oh no! Like, what, what, how do you logically get get them get him out of this?" And then. That that's what made me think it was more of a, a kind of a, a venom or like an acid it's from a gland in, in the mouth. So it looked similar to me. I think they were trying to say that like Beskar steel doesn't tarnish sort of. Thing. Right. Right. That makes sense. But there are gaps in that armor. <laughs> this is yeah. what my wife said. <laughs> right, and I will remind both of you that uh, this is a Star War. So yeah. calm down. Nonetheless, uh, a heroic moment when he zaps the the innards of the monster flies out. Yeah, I, I knew he wasn't dead. I mean, who didn't? Right. Like, but but I had a moment where I was just like, because he goes, you take care of the child. Yeah. Right. He says to Cobb Vanth and knocks him in the in the jetpack, which is also just a great little nod to canon. They're just like, basically, you just hit that that jetpack in the back of Boba Fett's and he goes flying away. Um gag. And I, uh, part of another like another homage. I know. I was like, well, this is called the Mandalorian. Wouldn't it be fascinating if like, what a shock in season one, if like they just killed off like Din Djarin and then it became Cobb Vance's story as the Mandalorian taking care of the child. That, like, was that would have been thought going through my mind. Yeah. Yeah. He thought they were going to go that way when he, when he did that. I mean, we've talked about it before and the fact that they said it that way, like might mean yeah. that leaving the door open for that to happen at some point. Yeah. I mean, uh, they could just transfer this into the Boba Fett show at some point. Or the Sabine Wren show. Yep. Or, or yeah. the... Who else is coming back? What's her name? 
this is great podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's all just make that noise for the next. Uh, Dune, grief cargo. Uh, no, from the from um, <sighs> rebels and from Clone Wars, right? The, the one that was the leader of the era. No, no, no. The Mandalorian. Uh, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, this could be the Bo-Katan show, but probably less effective if we can't think of it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving <laughs> off of the Great Dragon's acid, uh, one other clarification I need. Early on in the episode, in that early in the kind of the Gamorrean boxing match, uh, yeah. does Baby Yoda, not I guess Axe Knife Edge Death Match or whatever they're doing, uh, the does Baby Yoda like use his hand to move a Gamorrean in that in that scene from getting like assassinated yeah, on, from getting on the mat? Killed. Do you remember that, Adam? Yeah, I I remember that thinking that the first time I didn't notice it as much the second time I watched it. What about you, Ben? I, he was reacting to it. And, and this is a weird episode. Cause I was mentioning this Car- Carly, just like every time something happens, cut to baby Yoda for reaction. They yeah. did that a lot in this episode. So I wasn't sure if he actually impacted or he was just reacting to it. What I, had, I had the exact same thought you did. And Grant did. I, I actually, I, I sat there and I was like, wait, did he do a thing right there? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, I think that's the answer, right? Like, if two of us thought it, then, you know, a million people thought it. Like, yeah. And or three of us, Adam, if you, th- you know, the same thing. I didn't see it the second time at all. Yeah. Sort of looking at different stuff the second viewing through. Um, but yeah. it definitely the first time I was like, because he like, he like, the Baby Yoda cringes. And at the same moment that the, the Gamorrean gets pulled out, like rolls out of the way of the axe falling down on him. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that stuff's going to start paying off later. Yeah. Like, I bet, you know, at the end of the series, we'll be like, oh, yes, definitely. He was doing that. You know, that was Baby Yoda moving stuff around because he's he's still feeling out his powers and, you know, what he knows. So, uh, yeah, I, that's my thought is like, I didn't think so, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he did. Does that make sense? Like, I think they yeah. left it open ended yeah. enough. Uh, update. Those are not Womp Rats, Ben. You're correct. Those are called Scurriers. Scurriers, yeah, yeah, cool. never heard of them before, but they're called scurriers. Oh, you're right, because I have the I have the womp rat right here in my book, and it's quite large. Yeah. Oh, we actually do see them in episode two and episode four. Scurriers or womp rats? Scurriers. Two and four of this season or last? No, season? no, no. Sorry, of like uh, Star Wars episode two, Hack of the Clones, and A New Hope. They're in A New Hope. Yeah, uh, in the in the special edition. So clearly, when oh, they're like the, meandering uh, through the city. Yeah, on that, like I, long pan. they're tiny. I'm sure they're there. If you, if you oh, like, the scurriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scurs, yeah. I thought you were talking about womp rats because I'm like, I don't think we've ever seen no. that except for that video game that I can't think of the name of. Yeah, they had a lot of appearance. I looked up womp rats, and in, in Legends, there's like 17 different versions of what they look like. There's no canon like appearance of them. But um, let me see. Womp Rat was mentioned in this. Let me click on what Womp Rats are for canon. I think it was like Rogue Squadron was the game. Now that I'm thinking about like. Oh, yeah, it totally. That's like the N64 game. Yeah, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember that. So Dave, Uh, Womp Rats appeared in a lot of things, but mostly just comic books. All right, I got it. I got a Womp Rat here. Yeah. Um, It looks like a basic rat. Yeah, it's pretty boring looking. To be honest, for Star Wars, big. yeah, just looks like a rat, giant rat. I think, I think in Rogue Squadron they had like big ears or something, and, and they hopped. Like I thought like they were almost kind of like marsupial in a way. A breed of sharp-fanged rodent that can grow to just over two meters in length. They nest in the desert. 
They are not timid creatures and have been known to gather in swarms to attack luckless Tatooine inhabitants. Well, I want to see that now. Yeah, well, that save that for Obi-Wan. Wait, Grant and I were joking before that, like, Deborah Chow was just like, stop showing Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, she's probably like, no. She was like, stop doing this. Give me something to work with. I'll be, I'll be also honest. Like, when he first said we're going back to Tatooine, like, or like we're going to Tatooine, I was just like, ah, oh, Boba Fett. And I'm like, oh, we're going back to Tatooine again. <laughs> but I love the fact. And, and then we, and when we pull in and it's, and it's the same, we're in the same hangar with the same person. Amy Sedaris. Yeah. Serious, which it makes sense, right? That's that's your person. I I was yeah. fine with that. Tip your I, servers. That's the yep. lesson there. Is tip I, your servers well because you yep. never know when you're going to go back. No, she's trusted, right? She watched the the child for you the last time, so I get it. But I'm just like, yeah, and he paid her well, like yeah. way over like when he yeah. left, and that like that paid off. But I was getting concerned at that moment, right? I'm like, are we just automa- Are we already doing greatest hits like five minutes into season two? Come and on. then it went off in a completely different direction. And it was like a different, here's a different part of Tatooine, a very different story on Tatooine than the previous one. So I was like, once we were like five minutes past that, I my nerves were down and I was just enjoying the ride. But I was a little like, oh man, are we just, are we going to go back to the bar now? Are we going to go, like, what are we doing? Oh, really? Yeah. I- I loved it. And um, one thing that stood out was the pit droid. Like they did yes. pit droid slapstick humor, but it was like it, just a beautiful homage to the prequels and even funnier. Like I, I laughed really loudly with the suction joke, like onto the <laughs> yeah, eye I of the pit that. droid. That was, that was, that was really funny. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, pit droids. Yeah. You can't get out of your own way. And like, it was <laughs> hilarious. That was, a, that was a great bit. Carly went, ugh, those things. Um, <laughs> but I will say, I also really loved Amy Sedaris's line where she was just like, oh, he loves droids now. Like, yeah. that line was amazing. Just such a great little moment of just, like, reminding us how far he's come with just yeah. g 11 Yeah, it was a nice little moment. There's yeah. so much fan service in this episode. It's like, we get we get Cobb Vanth running with Cantono. <laughs> yep. Like, yes, it's, when the it's not yeah. just Will Hood running with Cantono anymore in Star yeah. Wars. It's now Cobb running with Cantono. Yeah. All yeah, now there'll be two races during the Comic Con, so it'll be like the Will yeah, Hood and races the Cobb Vanth. There'll be the yeah. Cobb versus the Will Hoods. Cobb is going to be like the endurance run, and um, yeah. Will Hood will be the sprint. sprint. Yeah, there you go. I love it. Um, speaking of fan service, this is really kind of like random deep cut fan service, but did you all watch the, the like previously on or the, um, the, did, the, yeah. so they did voiceovers when people were saying things. Did you notice the effect they put under Quill's voice? No, they gave him the Jedi ghost effect. He was speaking from beyond the grave. He sounded, oh, really? they, they, they made him sound ghostly. It was really funny. Like I listened yeah. to it. I'm like, I listened to it. I kept going back. I'm like, there that's are, not, there oh, are yeah. a lot of Jedi parallels with the Mandalorian. And I have to say, yeah. I think the armor is a big parallel. It's mm-hmm. like Jedi are all about defense. And I believe and the, the, the armor in, in is a means of defense. And it's also a, used as a weapon by the Mandalorian. And I feel like it's almost like a physical incarnation of like the Jedi kind of code. yeah i i love that i love that we have two different races that are clearly going to clash at some point in this season or next season like they're setting that up right yeah. but they both are like they have codes and credos and they have they have like um insignia and they have like weapons like they're they're just history, the, the history lore, yeah culture. it's yeah. really neat i'm really enjoying something that i never really kind of thought of this before and i read all the 
old EU Mandalorian Jedi stuff. But I think they're doing it in such a great way in this show that's really like slowly building this up. So when it happens, it's going to become so much more powerful. Yeah. You're talking about the armor as a weapon. There was actually a great scene where like that guy in the fighting pit kept yes. trying to punch his helmet. <laughs> and so like the Mando finally leans into it and the punches third his head. Yeah. He's like, how'd that feel? Yeah. He have breast knuckles or something, but it was like, he's like, yeah, no, you're not. Keep punching, kid. You're not going to do anything. I'm also pretty sure the Mandalorian is using a vibro, vibro blade. Vibro blade. Because it was what he killed, what he killed him with. Because I, I think I heard it humming when he took it out, like it was making. And I love that little moment. And I'm like, also, that's if this is if this is still canon, um, those can deflect lightsabers. Lightsabers, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought that was cortosis, cortosis blades. And those also can deflect lightsabers. A lot of things can actually deflect yeah, lightsabers. Yeah, when you get Beth, down can to Beskar, it. Can Beskar deflect? I probably. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's probably why Mace aimed for the neck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too Actually. Still too soon? No, not too <laughs> no, soon. Too soon for Boba, but not too for anyone. For, for what we just saw on screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get to that. Let's get to uh, the Boba uh, Fett reveal. Yeah. Right. So the, yeah, I mean, we, we get twin sons, uh, which blew me away just the twin sons alone took my like breath setting, away. like the, the twin sons setting it was gorgeous yeah. it was basically like golden now yeah i mean it was the it was the luke skywalker moment right yeah. like he's on a hill overlooking at sunset twin binary sunset and only it wasn't luke skywalker his armor from cob man uh, per their agreement and he leaves freetown must must pelgo yeah uh speeds across the desert who's looking upon upon him speed by it's none other then Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. With a gaffy stick on his back. Gaffy stick and a <laughs> Tuscan rifle, right? I think yeah. he, he's yeah, like he's... double. Yeah. Armed only with a gaffy stick and Tuscan rifle. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually looks like a Jedi, right? Like he's got these like dark, thick robes on. And I was like, oh man, could you put like a like a uh uh Tuscan Raider helmet on him? Would he be a Tuscan Raider? But like that's not it. He's just like he is a Jedi. It's yeah. sort of weird, right? This is his arch nemesis is the Jedi since, you know, Mace took his dad's head. And like, it's interesting if he's becoming more Jedi. Like, I don't I don't know what the, the uniform says or not. And maybe he's just protecting himself from the sand. But maybe. But it is very monkey Jedi. Yeah. yeah not monkey, like monk like, I should say. Yeah. Well, he's um, he's a post hair gentleman. Um, very yeah. handsome. And, you know, uh ready ready to go so that's also you know very you know tibetan monk like um, yeah. the shaved shaved head and face so but, uh, it's interesting in this episode we get a pretty lengthy flashback of Cobb Vance's story yeah which i i'm enjoying that we're now comfortable with flashbacks in star wars right we had a little bit in season yeah. 1 um but a much longer one so now we're going to have to have like a pretty lengthy and maybe we even get. Do you think we there's a chance we get a full Boba Fett episode? Because I feel like this show is ready to do one of these things that a lot of these premier television shows do, which is just take like a yeah. here's a very different episode. Right. Has nothing to do yeah. with Mandalorian because like we got to tell a story here. Like, yeah. How do you it's get it out needs to be told? Why is it six years later and he still doesn't have his armor? Like, because come on, Cobb Vanth. I like that character a lot, but but. Right. Boba Fett could have walked into that town any single yeah, with, with like a, a teaspoon like and, and thousands take it of years. Yeah. Yeah, the Sarlacc doesn't kill you right away. It's right. Just but, like, do you think he got out of it yesterday? 
<laughs> like I think we probably got out of it like six months before we see him. Now that's fair. I could see that, but well, like I, why? No. I mean, yeah. I would say six months before the after the armors or before the armor is found, maybe. But the armor, I mean, I think this, I think Vanth has had the armor for at least a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, based, just based on the aftermath stuff, I mean, he, he goes through some tribulations, but I would say even even condensed, it would be a year for him. To right. Like, I mean, well, you have to find like the, the Jawas need to find it. Right. And the, which doesn't take much time. And then they need to run into Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth needs to take it. And then Cobb Vanth needs to go on these these other things that happened in Aftermath where he takes on the Red Key Collective and, you know, the Mining Guild and go through all that stuff. And then he meets the Mandalorian. So I'm just saying that's at least a year, a space yeah. galactic year or whatever. But even if it was six months, like, let's let's meet you where you're at, Grant. Six months. Why has he waited six months to go get his armor back? It's Boba freaking Fett. So there's a story there, right? Like, we have to explain that. Yeah. He's probably been trying to to locate it. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, the story of him escaping the Sarlacc pit is got to be told, too. I yeah. think, well, it'll be like a Shawshank thing, right? Maybe he has to shed the armor <laughs> and, like, crawl for, like, days to get out of, like, a piece of... The, maybe he has to eat through the Sarlacc pit. You know, as a kind of throwback to what's mentioned in this episode. Yeah. Like, here's, here's what I think. There's never an empty Sarlacc pit. It's like only if the Sarlacc gets eaten let's, or whatever. Let's do, right. let's do a round robin. So, so Grant says, mine is that the Sarlacc ends up eating a womp rat or something like, and he takes the rib bones and uses them as, as a way to <laughs> climb his way out, stabbing into the side of the Sarlacc pit. Okay. <laughs> but like, so why do you get rid of the armor? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. That's. <laughs> That to me is also really confusing. I, part of me might be like, I don't know that the, yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I think you're right, Ben, in that he has to get out with the armor. I don't think those are separate events, right? Like, I don't think yeah. I, maybe he's shamed, right? Like maybe that's part of it is that that's, he just, right, yeah. So that that's what I think. I don't think he's uh Boba Fett is not after his old armor. He's after the Mandalorian's armor. We already know oh. he's on the, he's already on the trail um, because it's been reported that he, it's his boot we saw in episode five of season one, where he, um, you know, standing over the body of um, what's the name of the actress? Oh, uh, Ming Na Wen. Chin, I think. Uh, Ming Wan. Fennec Shand is the character. Vendic? Oh, Fennec Shand. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So Fennec Shand. Sorry um, to the actors that were it's escaping us, but it's Ming Na Wan or Wen. I think is it Wen. Yeah. But you know what that could mean is he could be able to contact Imperials because she was said to have contacts with the uh, ISB or whatever. And and Boba Fett's always been somewhat friendly with the Imperials, at least in all the old canon. So he could he could get Moff Moff Gideon and him could could team up against Mando. Uh, Yeah, my view of it is that like he doesn't want to have shameful armor. But he, he might actually. So we don't even know if he is a Mandalorian yet. We don't know if his dad was a Mandalorian. We just know that they had the armor. Yeah. But I, I think he's like, I'm not running around and beat up armor. That's not what I'm doing. But like, he likes the Mando armor. That's who he is. And so to get his identity back, he wants fresh Beskar, which is, yeah. you know, tough to come by. And so I don't know. I think maybe that that's why he picked up the scent of the Mandalorian Jinjarin and, so, um, and wants his gear. Do you think? I love this. Because this also maybe leads to a possibility where 
we do get kind of Boba Fett bests Din Djarin, gets the Mandalorian's armor, and then Din Djarin, in order to get his armor back, needs to don or don Boba Fett's armor <laughs> to get uh, his armor back. Like, do we get this? Like, because I don't think we like you don't have like this is Chekhov's Boba Fett armor, right? Like you don't introduce the armor in act one and not have that armor being worn by someone yeah. who's a Mandalorian or serious or a Mandalorian who's a, or a serious threat. Cobb Vanth, great character, does not project as a serious threat while wearing that armor. <laughs> Right. No. Yeah. It looks like he's wearing his his dad's suit or something. Yeah. Yeah. What do What do you think, Grant? I see. I see the old I wheels think, turning. I think. I think. I think Boba should be reunited with the armor. Yeah. I think that's what that's what you should do. Honestly, I. I and that's not even like a fan service thing. It's kind of like what no. what's been given to us thus far with the story. It just kind of makes sense now. He's seeing his armor go by and, and, and go off into the distance. And now he's saying to himself, I can, I, I now have, I now have a target. That's it. The last two seconds of this episode has done more for, or, or given more of a character to Boba Fett than any of the movies did. Right. <laughs> no, he's, like, he's actually having he's, a story. His story is being depth. told now. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> two seconds of him turning the camera gives him more depth than having him, just say all right in a couple of things in episode four or episode five and six. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, okay. All right. Okay. I, I just, I'm going to just play devil's advocate. I agree with what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense for Bobo his armor back. I love this. I love this version of devil's advocate where you just agree with me. No, but it's, it's, it's wasted, you know, like that armor is wasted and we have the precedent set of, um, you know, uh, the Dinjarin going against the Mudhorn and having his armor just destroyed and yeah. and then getting new armor. So you, know what you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I think that Boba Fett is going to reunite with his armor and he's going to team. He's not going to be a bad guy. Everyone thinks he's going to be a bad guy. He's not going to be a bad guy. He's going to team up with Mando. But he's he's going to sh- he's going to show a different alignment. He's going to be the chaotic evil evil alignment oh, whereas yeah. when they're fighting together mando will be like i'm not cool with you just taking people out like i'm not cool with this this style this lethality that you're bringing right. to the table and it's, i think that is what that i think that, that's kind of my guess yeah. is what's going to happen Grant, i love that you brought D into it because my thought as i watched this I, I was trying to peg the mandalorian at that very opening scene where he hangs the guy upside down and i'm like he's lawful neutral Right. Like like the Mandalorian's lawful neutral, right? He has his code, but he's yeah. not really for anything. And yeah. I think you're I think Boba Fett's lawful evil, right? Like he's very much into yeah. rules, but he And that's why I think it'll be like almost yeah. he'll be like almost like this mentor, you know, uh, uh partner kind of uh crime crime fighting partner uh with Mando. But um but but he's going to start doing things that are nefarious and malevolent and Mando's going to be like, "Whoa, what what's going on here? Like what is this is this is not what I signed up for, kind of thing. I think I mean, that that might happen. If, if I was gonna guess at um, Boba Fett's motivation, I would say kill Jedi. Like I still think he probably has that vendetta somewhere inside him, and I, I don't know how strong it is now. But I mean, he killed his dad. He's I mean, it, it almost killed him, right? You Luke don't Scott think it's killed Han Solo and get me off this planet? And where is Han Solo? Wasn't it like Luke that hit his pack? Or no, it was Han, wasn't it? With the with the stick, right? 
It was Han. I think yeah. his in, I think his internal story is that it was Luke. I think he has such a hatred for Jedi, Jedi that yeah. he was so focused on the fact that there was a Jedi there. Remember, he tried to tie up Luke in episode six. I think I think that's what they're going to go for is maybe we even get him retelling the story and he tells it as a Jedi threw him into a Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Like his mind so has just focused on this. This right. idea of hating the Jedi. hit him because yeah. he came from behind. I mean, so if, if, if we want to just entertain the thought that that's his motivation to kill Je- Jedi, it makes a lot of sense. It'll be yeah. like, oh, you're trying to find Jedi? Sure, so am I. Yep. You know, but he's he's the Darth, uh, you know, the so, mall. Oh, we, we just Bridget. figured it out. Guys. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. yeah, it's they're gonna meet a Jedi. It's gonna be, oh, it's gonna be Mando and Boba is in Mando's good graces, and they meet a Jedi, and Man- Boba is gonna plop behind them uh, after kill that, the after that that meeting. Yeah. She's he Mando doesn't trust the Jedi, whereas I mean right. Boba doesn't trust the Jedi, whereas Mando does inherently trust the Jedi. Right. And, so right. Boba's not really tracking the Mandalorian. I don't think now. I think he's tracking the child like everyone else, but for different reasons. Because the, like like you're saying, Ben, the the child is the path to the Jedi. Right. Yeah. I mean, and but actually, he's been told to trust. Like uh, Jin Jarn's been told to trust the Jedi. Like you need to bring him back to his people. But that he only understands that the Jedi were responsible for their demise. Right. There was that he he knows yeah. about the war. You know, between yeah. the Mandalorian. So he doesn't really trust the Jedi. And no. then if you get you add a Boba Fett into that equation, yeah. like the extra won't. You know, they'll both be on their guard. So maybe Boba will learn something and have a turn as well, or maybe he will be that you know sabotaging presence going forward. Yeah, and he could be an all-out bad guy too. I mean, we're just we're theorizing that he could team up with Mando, but he could just be a bad guy. I like that though. That would be fun. I mean, yeah. How- I mean, how fun would it be to it's about the Mandalorian, right? And they're like, well, we're going to take you. I mean, there's there is one questionable thing that just gets sort of passed over is that like instead of just going to find Jedi, he goes to find another Mandalorian first, which is yeah. like, OK, I mean, I guess he doesn't want to do the mission alone and the um, the blacksmith won't go with him. But it's like I thought they were a, you know, a team of two, right? Like they were a, a tribe of two. Right. Or clan of two. Right. And and then but he's like, no, I need help. I need help for this. And I I wanted to give him unclear. Right. It's very unclear. And through second viewing, I think what I got out of it is he said, I'll find a Mandalorian and they through a network or not network. They didn't use that term. I don't remember it was. But basically, it sounds to me like he's going to find a Mandalorian because he's going to ask them to tell him more about the Jedi. And then if they don't know, they'll introduce him to another clan of 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 Mandalorian. So I think I think he's not looking for necessarily partners, but he's looking for information because he knows the only people that know about the Jedi to him are Mandalorians. Are Mandalorians, which is really who better to tell him about the Jedi than Boba Fett? Yeah, I think I think you're on something. I think Boba Fett's going to if he's not a Mandalorian, because we don't know in this canon what his what his thing is. I think he'll he'll pretend to be one and he can definitely tell him a lot about Jedi. He was there during a giant battle with Jedi during the fall of the Jedi Order, basically. Yeah, right. And isn't it reasonable that Boba Fett could walk up to Mando and press a few buttons on the armor to make it do something that Cobb Vanth never even knew was a certain, you know, add-on or something yeah and like right like, yeah and just prove his kind of merit and prove that it's his armor well and he can also tell the story of he, the reason why he's unmasked is because he was unmasked right so he was shamed right so he could use that as his graces in of not putting the of not putting the boba fett or armor back on because if he's going to be he's 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 helmets off so he has to tell that story to the mando to be like i've been 
shamed as a Mandalorian. I'm a fallen Mandalorian, but I can still give you information. Right. This brings up two things we don't know right now. One is like, we don't know if Django or Boba Fett are Mandalorians. We know right. they were Mandalorian armor. Yeah. We don't know. Another thing. So this is a, a, a Jenny comment, um, which was, she had like 20 really insightful comments and I'm trying to bring them all in. Actually, they're better than I can think. But one was like, she's like, does, do the Mandalorians know that one of their own was cloned to make the um, clone army, the Republic army of the Republic? Not, I don't know. That's a really good question. Again, if they even see Django as one of them. Right. I mean, is he one of them? I mean, he takes his helmet off all the time, right? Yeah. Though that seems like a new thing. That seems like a new rule because in Clone Wars, the cartoon, they always had their helmet off, right? And same thing. So I think that's a new, like, I think we talked about this in season one, that they've gotten really, like, super Lax. literal about the text in uh, the new yeah, yeah. in the new version of just, like, we don't take our helmets off. Right, they've gone orthodox, right? Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. That was the Following word, orthodox. The, yes, yeah. the, old, the old text. Um, but, yeah, that's a really interesting storyline, because if he is a Mandalorian, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's more of a chance he is now than, than there was, because they've done a lot in this in this series to kind of suggest that the Mandalorians take in a lot of foundlings and it's not about being born on Mandalore. Right. So it's a good chance. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of room in Boba Fett's story between um, uh, Clone Wars animated and, um, you know, a new hope to have him be uh, tutored by the Mandalorians to like, you know, be mentored by the Mandalorians. And um and and like yeah. spend some time with them to to learn yeah. their ways and then become a bounty hunter and then you know and and yeah. go his way, um. But it'd be it'd be interesting if he's clinging to these ancestral roots now. Yeah. Um. Or what his motivation is. He's I a do. bounty hunter when it comes down to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And when the clone army is discussed, I think they just mentioned Django as, as a bounty hunter before. Yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's kind of the rhetoric surrounding that, but um. Uh, I love the idea. I love your idea, Adam, of keeping Boba Fett out of the armor for a little bit. Oh. And uh, maybe we get to a climactic moment where he puts it on, you know, and that gets a big moment. Well, I does. think that's the reveal, too. I think that's when Din Djarin realizes he's not truly a Mandalorian. I think the second he puts on the, the Fett armor is when he proves that he's not actually a Mandalorian because a Mandalorian would never put the armor back on, right? Being dishonored that way. That's That's one way to go. I mean, unless he's trying, like maybe as an old man, Boba Fett, he's trying to go back to his roots and be right. a Mandalorian again. And like maybe that is what he cares about now is just like actually being true to, um, yeah. to who, you know, his identity for all those years or something. I mean, I don't yeah. know. We're, we're both throwing ideas at the wall. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. No, those, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, what else? Jenny had some other insightful <laughs> observations. What else we got? She's sitting right here in the back. I don't know if she remembers. Oh, she said uh, Baby Yoda needs goggles. Um, yeah. For when it's on the back of a speeder yeah. bike. I don't that's know. Like a lot of, of safety concerns this yeah. episode. Negligent dad, by the way. Leaving uh, yeah, him on the speeder outside say, the bar. I don't know if it's because I be, I've become a father between season one and season two. But, like, the moment he goes into the bar and he yeah. just <laughs> baby yoda in the back of the speeder bike i'm just like what are you doing what are you doing, like, what yes. are you doing? yeah and i'm like oh you that's don't know those people yeah he I can get out and walk and he's like completely capable of i mean that's some like that's some like true like free range parenting there yeah uh, yeah <laughs> well he is 50 it's true yeah right and he clearly can take can take care of himself 
Oh, yeah. that reminds me. Do you think the Mandalorian's kind of bummed that they decided to give him the Mudhorn clan when he could be the Crate Dragon clan now? Right. Oh, no. oh that's a really good point. I would try to find that armor ASAP. Hey, can we uh, can we switch this out now? Yeah, is it cool? Because I was like just like a couple weeks short and uh, pretty sure my merit badge would, you know, certain ramifications of rules. I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I had to watch it twice to see how he actually like got out of its mouth. But it's pretty clear that the that blue lightning is coming from his like um, staff rifle staff. Yeah, um, that's like so like the disintegrate the disintegration bolts didn't do anything against its hide. But apparently the electro staff like he was able to electrocute the whole beast from inside and get out. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, we um, I'm trying to, you know, pick up some other things here. There was a curse. We got we learned a new um, Star Wars curse. Dang Farrick. That was, oh, uh, yeah, that was the Mandalorian curse and said that uh, I liked. Um, I liked when the guys got the Tuscans got eaten and Mando. Yeah, goes, they're open to ideas. And yeah, it was yeah. a circle wipe. Yeah. It was a circle wipe. And it was like, <laughs> I was like every, every, like the third act of any Star Wars in, in a Star Wars, you know, premium TV series in that third act of the hour long series, you have to do the, uh, you have to do a joke with just a wipe. Like it just has <laughs> to be there somewhere just late in the episode. Yes. Yeah. It's a light moment and a wipe. It's just, I think that's yep. mandatory. Yeah. Absolutely. It's pretty great. Uh, what do you think about the music in this? Were you able to listen to pay attention to that at all? Dude, it slaps. Mando, apparently, like Mando music is all about snares and like trap snares. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. A little bit of the electronic in there. He gave us a little flavor, everything. I felt like it was very orchestral. The the one piece that stuck out to me was like when the uh sand people are getting into um, uh, Moss Palgo um, Mm -hmm. and they're coming in and it's a tense moment. And um, he plays this sort of like Arabian caravan theme. Mm. Um, Yeah. And there's a lot of strings in there. Um, He, yeah, you know, this was, it was a lot of, I feel like his music budget was expanded. So it's like whenever he wants to use an orchestra, he can now. Um, Yeah. That's a guess, but I, I sort of missed the minimalist stuff. Hopefully that's coming soon. I think that they wanted to make a splash with this uh, episode. And, you know, obviously it was a, you know, a huge event. And I think they yeah. sort of followed suit with that. I agree. I, I, I kind of noticed, um, the, to be honest, the music did not stand out to me all that much. And not in a bad way. Uh, it, it felt very true to just being the Mandalorian. But there was not any of those, like, the mud horn or anything else that was just like, this is right. amazing. Yeah. Um and now that you pointed out, Ben, I think you're right. I think there's a lot more orchestration in this, which sounds great. Like it sounded yeah. epic and it sounded like a movie. But, you know, sometimes constraint breeds, you know, yeah, quality or cre- creativity in a way. And I feel like it's really great. And you, get, you can see what he can do and why he's been he gets the big bucks to do large movies like he can do this. But I kind of same as you, I kind of miss the minimalist stuff and him playing around with his computers and. I mean, maybe we'll get back to that. Maybe it depends on the type of episode we have, right? And this is a giant, epic episode. Yeah, I think, you know, necessity is the mother of invention is sort of a, a parallel to what you're saying. And um, yeah. 
you know, when you intentionally constrain yourself, you sort of have to really use melody to tell the story. Mm. And I think that's what John Williams did so well, even with an orchestra. It's like he would strip it down. It would get huge at times. But even then, it would be these really distinct melodies that would be um, telling the story and moving the, the, the action along, you know. And then when they had these down moments, you'd hear these melodies that would invoke love or happiness or, you know, despair, or, you know, all these different things or the complex nature of individuals' themes. Um, and I, I, I'm hoping for more sort of theme-based stuff from him um, going going forward. I, I'm sure there's tons of it in there and I just sort of missed it because I was staring at Boba Fett's helmet the whole time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. What was that triumphant Tatooine theme? You know, when you they go, they land there. And that that theme's actually growing on me. I actually like how mm-hmm. adventurous. Yeah, that was like the classic. That was the triumphant Mando theme. Um, yeah, and there was one where he does like the the um, the synthesizer comes in where it's like wah 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 wah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Awesome. that Blade Runner sort of thing. And they're like woo when he like gets in combat. Yeah, like, there's there's always the the percussion that like clanging yeah. percussion is is ubiquitous. Um, that's pretty pretty cool too uh yeah i i you know one thing i really appreciate i was actually gonna say this at the beginning and i forgot because i was talking with carly about this they are still in a lot of ways going for the episodic nature which i appreciate like this is there's the overall story right like we know he's on his quest but the quest brings him to tatooine and he's a very specific like um journey on tatooine that is starts at the beginning of this episode and is finished by the end of this episode And he's back on his journey. It's very much the, and I always use this, you always use the blind swordsman. I always just go to the Incredible Hulk from the 1970s. Yours is much classier, your examples. Uh, but but I always think of that like this. I love that we're kind of back to, there's an overarching story over the season, but there's these the, the single standalone adventure episodes. And I really appreciate that. Like you can just sit down and get a beginning, middle, and end of a story in one sitting. Yeah. Ben and I were talking before the recording and we were thinking, this hour-long format is actually fitting for Star Wars because I, I don't think it. A lot of it is good and evil and the connectedness that you know of the universe and the, yeah. the galaxy. That's kind of the main line of the of the kind of moral themes and all that stuff runs through that. Yeah, and um, and you really only need an hour because we know all that stuff. We'll get that moral lesson in that hour. Um, oh, hour. I'm saying like 40, 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. if anything, this episode felt a little tad over long to me through the second viewing. I was used to those 38, 40, 42 minute episodes last year. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I, like, they took short. time with the scenics. Yeah, and um, and I really like let them play out, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. It's there beautiful. Was a lot of yeah. like, you know, the montage of him going across the you know Tatooine dunes and. Uh, you know, it, there was sometimes it, it didn't, you know, it, it took some, I was just like more action, please give me more of this. Yeah. Because right, there's yeah, that hole, that, that middle part that kind of sags where it's, they, they basically have to go back to the village. <laughs> I had to say thought of the village. They have to yeah. go back to the village. They have to at the village. The, we have to load the caravans back, up. Go back to the yeah, village. Yeah. Go back yeah. to the cave. Like yeah. it's just, and I get it from a story yeah. standing point. Like you have to do that, but I'm just like, it's, I feel like we're watching like a, Less exciting, much less exciting version actuality. of actuality. It's like of, a, of like Matt Max Fury Road. It's like we went one way and we went all the way back. Okay. Now we're going back. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I was riveted the whole time. It was yeah. fantastic. But yeah, there was. But I mean, that's we've criticized other, I mean, you know, media not taking enough level. time to do that stuff. So, yeah, it, it I'm was talking about a couple of minutes could have been chopped out. And it's I don't even think it's not like it's not like there's parts where I was just like going up to use, you know, taking a bathroom break in the middle of it or anything like that. It was just like I got used to this really tight 38 minute episodes. Yeah. 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 Like we don't need people staring at the at the Tuscan Raiders. There <laughs> were like multiple yeah. cutaways of people watching the Tuscan Raiders come. Like, haven't you yeah. guys seen Tuscan Raiders a million times? Like, I, they yeah. raided your your village numerous yeah, times. Yeah, but not not in a friendly relationship. That's why it was like so powerful. As they like sort of slowly march into camp, everyone's like on edge because they're like, I love that. Would edit out the same things because that's the exact other scene where I'm like, oh look at that, they're walking single file as Obi Wan told us. And they're oh, still wow. walking single file, and they're still walking single file. Okay, wow, that's another good. That's another good callback. They do. They walk single file to hide their numbers. Yeah. Huh. Nice. All right. Any other? Um, any other sort of things in this episode that uh, presage what's to come for you? Like any other? We'll wrap it up with this. Anything else that you think that like that you got from this that might signal what what we're going to see going forward? I think we covered the bases. In yeah, Boba Fett I, speculation. I mean, I love it because it reminded me of the, the the end of the first episode where it's just kind of like this story could go anywhere now, right? Like it, it yeah. was a great way to introduce the season. He's got his general quest, but I have literally no idea what where we're going to see the Mandalorian next and i love that like he could be anywhere in the beginning right. of the next this episode. is essentially a dead end yeah <laughs> it's exactly. like he's acquired one beat up uh suit of mando armor that can go Which... on the scrap or be melted down like does he go back to the armor and be like i found this and she's like yo that's boba fett boba fett's armor you know like yeah. does he do that like i, I don't know <laughs> That's a really good point, Ben. You're right. Like he got nothing out of this. He got armor, which is always good, but that's not part of his quest. That's not anything. Yeah. It's not like it's a key to anything. He he collects it because of a honor and B. It'll probably be useful at some other time. It's very much like a, a video game where you're just like, I just collected this random piece of thing because I know it's important. Maybe I'll use it in some key quest later. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Like we don't know. We will see. We'll see. All right. Well, um, thanks, everyone, uh, for listening uh, this week. This is so exciting. I can't wait to do this again next week. Um, it'll be another uh, amazing episode, I'm sure. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. And may the force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the force will be with you. Always.